Hello, 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 I'm Matt Williamson, this is the Locked On NFL Podcast, and as we do every Wednesday, I have Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Mike, how's it hanging? Going good. Good, good. A couple things to discuss, and you mentioned that recently you did a study or film breakdown on what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing with the Niners. Um, I've been a huge fan of his going back to, you know, for several years now saying that's the guy to target. If I were the Browns, I would have done everything possible, excluding giving up that first overall pick to land him. That didn't happen. And I also don't think it was an accident that Belichick sent him out of conference and far, far away. So what are you seeing with him? Yeah, there's a lot of good. I mean, the, the praise, all the stuff is very justified. He is... So in our grading system, he has the second highest uh, ever four-game stretch after going to a new team that we've ever seen. Wow. Uh, and, and it's been – like there's the only knock that I could find pouring through all the data was the fact that he really hasn't made to ma- had to make too many difficult throws down the field. So in terms of our big-time throw stat, we only have him with two through four games, which is a pretty low rate. And then, But a lot of that is Cal Shanahan's offense. You know, he's going to – give you not say easy throws, but throws underneath and throws down the field that aren't forcing you to throw it into tight windows, aren't forcing you to, you know, beat tight coverage all the time. And so I think we've seen that from Jimmy. He's just executing the offense that's asked of him. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, just to expand upon that, like we saw with Matt Ryan last year, that they do a great job with play action, with route concepts that get these guys a little more open than the average offense. No, it it really – just going back through and watching, not to say not to say what he's done has been easy. It's definitely not been easy, but he's gotten more guys. Just you know, you think of the uh, with a Kyle Uzcheck down the left side. He's gets guys has guys running wide open down the field. Now he's hitting them, hitting them in stride. He's making good plays with the football. He's not you know making a ton of turnover where he throws. He's not forcing the ball into bad situations, but uh, it's not you know this otherworldly. He's there's still some reasons to think that. Uh, you know, he's not the second coming just yet, I'll say. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I, um, the thing I would say I'm most impressed with is probably first his accuracy. And that doesn't surprise anyone. Quick release, everything he does is quick. But the command he has. I mean, if you remember, Matt Ryan in year one with Shanahan for the whole season really didn't look like himself, looked lost, publicly said, yeah, I'm still learning. You know, where Garoppolo... <laughs> Maybe they haven't installed as much, but none of the mental things look like it's phasing him at all. No, that is a very good point. There's no sort of plays where it looks like things break down and he's flustered. He's always going, you know, one to two to three. He's making, he's going through his progressions and knows where it seems like every every play, where to go with the football when pressure comes, which is his best option. Which is, it, it looks like a you know seasoned veteran at quarterback. He doesn't look like this is his what you know seventh career start or whatever it is. Right, right. and 100% agree. I mean, I think if I were to write a scouting report on him, the one thing that I would have a concern about, and it's really only one thing, is I think his arm strength is average. And and that doesn't mean it's below average or bad. I think it's average. Yes, I, I agree. And I think that goes back to what I was talking about with the big time throws down the field. The only thing we really haven't seen him make is, you know, when – they start, uh, you know, when they take it away that underneath stuff, can he beat you over the top consistently and make you respect that? I think that's going to be the next step for him is proving that. Yeah, and I think that leads us to his supporting cast, and I'd like to talk a little bit of Niners offseason. 
Um, obviously, he doesn't have much of a supporting cast right now. I mean, they do have that over-the-top guy that you mentioned, the, the Goodwin, or Goodwin, in, in Goodwin. Mm-hmm. But um, Garcon will be back. Hyde's a free agent. But I think that, you know, and they brought Juszczyk in to be the fullback that they use so much in Atlanta. Um, but I think that they're going to try to pattern the offense much around like they did in Atlanta. Like, they don't have their Julio Jones, but I think Garcon is their Sanu. And they, they always have that small, fast speed guy. I think they have him. Um, but there's still a lot more that needs to be put in place, and we haven't even touched on the offensive line. Yeah, I don't think there's a single position outside uh, of quarterback on the offense that can't be addressed right now. I think any any position, any position along the offensive line, any wide receiver position, tight end, running back, you could address this offseason through the draft. Now, it's a little unfortunate that they're playing their way out of a good draft slot, you know, with, right. uh, putting Jimmy G in there. But uh, at the same time, uh, it's it's a lot more encouraging than if he would have been 0-4 at this point. So I, I do think like I said, anywhere along offense, and then almost anywhere along the defense, except for probably three technique, they could also address. Yeah, I, I think the secondary might be even in worse shape than anything on offense. Yeah, that that by far, I, I wouldn't, if you have Jimmy G at quarterback and you have some of the young guys like George Kittle uh, on offense, I, I would add along the offensive line as well, but Marquise Goodwin and uh, Pierre Garçon aren't terrible right. at wide receiver to where, I'd have to address it. But like you mentioned, cornerback, you have to address this offseason. Akella Witherspoon has been encouraging, but he's not going to stop me from addressing it once, maybe even twice uh, in the upcoming draft. So obviously it goes like this. You know, you, you look at your own team, free agency hits, then the draft, and they're going to still have a pretty good pick. The, the name I guess I want you to mention is, would you try to lock Hyde up long term? Would you let him go? It's supposed to be a really good running back class. Maybe you could even take Barkley in the first round. Or are you happy with Hyde? I really don't know what Hyde's going to command on the open market. Yeah. I, I don't think he gets that much. If you're bringing him back at you know $3 million a year, I, I think that's enough to where I'd two years, three years, $3 million a year. That's, that's probably the spot I'd put him. And I think uh, in the 49ers offense, that's, he's valuable enough to where I'd re-sign him at that. But any more... And just give me a guy in the draft. I think Kyle Shanahan can locate running back talent, knows what guys fit his system to where uh, I wouldn't be too worried uh, about, you know, forcing Carlos Hyde into that system. Uh, yeah. More years if he's not worth it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a way to look at it, too. And he has had some injuries, no longer young. I like the player a lot, but I'm not going to. They have a ton to spend, a ton to spend. Mm-hmm. But I'm still not going to be like, well, just because I have it, I'm going to throw it at you. Um, and what if they did land Barkley in the first round? I mean, I wouldn't object to that. I know you would never take a running back in the first round. You're in that camp, right? But mm-hmm. Yeah, no running back round one. <laughs> never. So you're thinking corner tackle early in the draft, I would imagine, is your For line sure. of thinking yes. after chatting with you. And, and it's, it's a little unfortunate that Joe Staley probably not going to be there when, you know, you could even address left tackle because mm-hmm. when, Jimmy, when, when the roster does finally – reach a point where they could be Super Bowl contenders. I, I don't think Joe Staley might be on his last legs at that point. Would you consider signing a Sammy Watkins or an Allen Robinson to be your pseudo Julio Jones? I think about it. They have the space is the thing. They could, and they're they going to add some, some veterans the space for sure. They have. So where uh, uh, there's not going to be a ton of wide receiver talent. I think, like I said, Devontae Adams, uh, Allen Robinson, Sammy Watkins, really the only wide receivers uh, worth – you know, really going out and paying in free agency this year, in my opinion. So 
Uh, I, I wouldn't be opposed to either of those three guys. You mentioned Kittle. I think he's encouraging enough. Not that he's the guy, but I, I wouldn't bend over backwards to get a tight end. No, I wouldn't either. I think he's. I think they do will at least draft a tight end because that offense uses a lot of two true. tight end sets. Very true. But I think Kittle is perfect in that he has speed for the tight end position and can run block. And I think in that offense, they use a lot of drag routes with the tight end. The tight end's going across the field a lot to where he's not. They don't need the tight end winning one on one matchups. They just need the tight end to get across the field in a timely manner on those crossing routes, and he has the speed to do it. I think he ran like a four five at the combine. So mm-hmm. I think in that offense, he's a good fit, and I think that's why they targeted him last year in the fifth. So if we're ranking needs, would you pretty much go entire secondary, wide receiver one, O-line, edge pass rush, something along those lines? Yeah, I think cornerback one. I would even put edge pass rush two. They okay. really just don't have anything. Thomas, Buckner, and Armstead all, to me, are interior guys. I think that's where they work best. That's fine. You can deploy them all there on third down, but you still need someone to clean it up on the edge. And they don't have any of those guys right now, in my opinion. So I, I think an edge would be two. And then and just imagine if they did three. have a star at the edge, you exactly. know, with yeah. that interior talent. Now you got all of a sudden it, you know it looks I mean? a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I interrupted you there. What would you do after edge? And then you go to offense and then, from there. Then offensive line somewhere. Uh, I know Trent Brown. It was looked good before he got hurt. So maybe not necessarily tackle, but. Uh, definitely guard or center somewhere. Yeah. I mean, with all that cap space, obviously that happens first. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a heavy defensive free agency class and then a heavy offensive draft and build with Jimmy that way with youth. Yeah, they can go a number of different ways. It's it's exciting, though, with Jimmy G, yeah. the way he's looked. Like, they could – they're very uh, much a potential to be a Jacksonville Jaguars-esque turnaround uh, in 2018. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, I think he's – you know, a great player. And we're actually going to get to Jacksonville in a minute. But I want to tell everyone about our friends at Draft. All you fantasy football fans need to listen up. This is a basically a snake draft meeting uh, daily fantasy. And it doesn't take all day like you're drafted and for your redraft. It's quite a, quite a good deal, you know. So it's not too late to join the half a million people that have already downloaded Draft this season. You get to play a real real live snake draft, but you're done in under five minutes, and they last for just one week, and then you start over the next week. You can join one right now for week 17 still. Uh, the best part, play for cold, hard cash, and get this, your chances of winning are 80% better than on salary cap sites. All new players get a free entry into real money draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code, and that is L-O-N-F-L. That's right. Play a real money game for free just by using the promo code LONFL. And it gets even better because Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering some listeners a money-back guarantee up to 100 bucks. So just, here's what you do. You go to the App Store and search Draft or go to Draft.com and come play with us right now with the promo code LONFL. All right, Mike. I had mentioned that you have been doing some Jags research in the recent or in the, the the near past here, and they they just lost surprisingly to me to the to Jimmy G and the Forty Niners. Um, what are you seeing from the Jags and specifically Bortles? The biggest thing I came across, or that I think was the case in going through a season ago when he just looked awful. And this season where he looks not awful, you know, he's not he's not to franchise quarterback sort of level yet, but he looks like he can run an NFL offense and, you know, you could do worse 
and he can win you games, you know, on the backs of his arm at times, is the fact that I think Allen Robinson getting hurt was almost a blessing in disguise just from a developmental standpoint for Blake Bortles. A lot of the times, uh, just watching him a season ago, a lot of the targets to Robinson just never should have been thrown. It was just more... Chucks it out. Yeah, it was Bortles basically... Yeah, there's a lot of 50-50 balls where 50-50 balls aren't... That's <laughs> not a good completion percentage. It's not something you should be throwing on a regular basis. That's not uh, good quarterbacking. Yeah, it's that, that's, yeah it's <laughs> right. so he was just forcing it, you know, early in progressions, things break down. He's forcing it to a guy who, you know, fantastic wide receiver. There's no there's no knock on Allen Robinson, but that's not how you should be playing the quarterback position. And I think we've seen this year things he's working so much better within the sort of, you know, framework of the offense. He's rarely forcing it to those wide receivers. His, uh, you know, his turnover-worthy throw percentage, which we track, has almost been cut in half from a season ago. He's never been higher than 20th in a single season among quarterbacks. He is at in the top 10 this year uh, among quarterbacks in terms of turn of the turnover-worthy throw rate, which is it's just night and day. And I think that he just seems to he's not focusing on one guy. It's just wherever his progression takes him. I think that's been a big step. Uh, in his development, and and he and he's has the ability. You know, last this past week, he didn't really uh, at the end of the game against the 49ers force a few throws, had some miscommunications, but it still wasn't a terrible game. He still made some nice throws in that game, uh, and the three games before that, he was dominating. So I, I like where I, I'd still be excited if I was a Jags fan with him going into the playoffs. Let's talk about his weapons for a minute. You mentioned the lack of Robinson, and it's funny how that works sometimes. Like. Of course you'd rather have Calvin Johnson. But yep. Matthew Stafford developed after, post-Johnson. You know what I mean? And I've used that example around here in Pittsburgh that this Antonio Brown injury for two, three weeks might not be a bad thing. Vance McDonald's getting involved. Martavis is getting targets. You know, Juju. And all these guys are gaining confidence. And then you add the big dog back into the mix. And you see that from time to time around the league that the quarterback, you take his whoopee away, and he becomes a better player. Yeah, and I think I there's no doubt in my mind that this is the case with with Blake Bortles. You look at his passer rating a season ago when he targeted Allen Robinson, it was 63.5. That was one of the five lowest of any wide receiver wow. quarterback combos in the NFL. That's just He threw seven picks when he was targeting. That's just not good. And I think a lot of the development is just because of those forced throws are no longer there, which – you know, you've a lot of some of that is the offense sort of, you know, neutering him to a degree where they're not letting him uh, make those throws down the field as much as uh, we've seen in the past. But a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, that just whatever it is in the back of a quarterback's mind that says, you know, I'll give my guy a chance, uh, even if he might not be open. Uh, that's not there anymore. And I think that's a good thing for him. Yeah, I do, too. And. Maybe next year you add Robinson back into the mix and Bortles has developed these skills to live without him and it turns out to be a better situation or whatever. But I mentioned the Steelers. The the Jags are almost starting to get a little bit of a history like Pittsburgh of where are these wide receivers coming from? Like they're developing guys that are quality players that are kind of non-pedigree players. Yeah, it seems like just like Alan Hearns before and now Keelan Cole now and even D.D. Westbrook seems like he's getting into the action. They've whoever they seem to put out there seems to be starting to be productive. So uh, 
it's a good thing for them. And whoever's doing their wide receiver scout, I give them a pat on the back. Yeah, wide receiver coach needs a raise. I mean, that's for sure. <laughs> They're developing these guys. We mentioned offseason for the Niners. I'm curious, what's your prognostication for the Jags? I mean, to me, in a nutshell, you don't touch the defense. It'd be nice to add one more offensive lineman. I think tight end is a need for sure, maybe the biggest need. If you get a quality guy there, that would be great. Um, I would pursue certainly bringing back Robinson, but they have other free agents at that position. But quarterback's obviously the, the stickler, though. I mean, can you give Bortles franchise money? That is the thing. So they have yeah. him on that fifth-year option right now. They, you know, they exercise that, which it's only guaranteed through injury. So they could obviously cut him and go after Kirk Cousins if a guy like Kirk Cousins or someone is available Truthfully, you know, if you're not in the mix for one of those top guys, so if you're not in the Cousins mix, if you're not in that, I'm not drafting a guy in the first round with what Blake Bortles has done this year. Now, now it's not, like I said, he's not surefire franchise guy just yet, but I I don't think you're going to have that sort of exponential increase in uh, talent if you're drafting a guy in the first round over Bortles. I think you could have a big increase if you address something like offensive guard or offensive, you know, right tackle. Uh, as well, if you address that in the first round, I think you could see a bigger increase in your offense than if you just went to the quarterback position. So uh, they're built to win right now. They have the talent to you know compete for Super Bowls right now. So I, I do think it, they're going to have a tough decision on their hands of what to do at quarterback. But like I said, if you're not in the mix for a surefire guy who right now you know is better than Blake Bortles, I, I don't think you risk it with a, you know a chance at a guy. Are you with me that no thanks on Eli Manning? Yeah, I think the, the Coffin story point, is lovely and all, but nah. yeah, his he's like I said, he's not proven to be better than Bortles this season. So it, you don't know what you're going to get there. What about Bridgewater or trade for Alex Smith or somebody like that? Game manager. Those ones are tough because Bridgewater, you know, showed potential earnest early in his career to be better. You have no clue what he is now after right. the knee. And I think. The fact that he's not unseating Case Keenum isn't terrible for him. You know, it's not a death knell. It doesn't mean he's not all the way back because Keenum's played extremely well. But you would have, if he would have, would have been unseating Case Keenum, that would have been a little more encouraging in terms of what he's showing in practice. So uh, I think you could go after a guy like that, depending on the price tag. But there, there are going to be names out there, and it never hurts to add a quality backup. But, uh, yeah, it, it will be – I'm not going to go ahead and say, you know, I'm going to make someone else the guy over Bortles at this point, one of either Alex Smith or Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I'm kind of with you that I guess you pay him reluctantly because that could burn you down the line when you are an upper-tier franchise and money isn't Monopoly money anymore. But I was really critical of the Jags this past off season that how could you not add anybody? How could you not add Nathan Peterman or – a second round pick or a third round pick, you know, that, and I know Henny's there, but that doesn't move the needle for me. Even if Glennon is a free agent, give him 2 million a year, at least get him in the building or somebody like yeah. that. Yeah. That to me was where they should have started to address. It was last off season. Give, right. even give, put Bortles sort of on the hot seat in terms of, you know, Chad Henny was never realistically pushing for Bortles job no. this preseason. I know there's a lot of whispers about it, but you're not going to just start Chad Henny over Blake Bortles. Uh, so I do think that's where they screwed up or where they, where it would have made sense to address the quarterback position in a bigger way, get a guy in the building, see what he can do. 
now that they haven't, you're sort of still stuck with Bortles for another year, I'll say. Are you a Fournette believer? I was not. I think he is – He can behind a good offensive line, he is a scary running back. But I don't think he raises an offensive line to, you know, uh, I don't think he can go above and beyond an offensive line like guys like, uh, you know, like a Jamal Charles. Someone like the truly elite running backs can. Yeah, I think he's somewhat of a compiler. Yeah, he's sort of a one-trick pony. He is a push-the-pile. He just runs so hard at the line of scrimmage that – He's not going to have a lot of negative runs, but I don't love his vision to where he's, you know, going to scare you going for, you know, five plus every single carry despite the run blocking. And I, I, he is obviously a talent, but the thing that worries me, and I hate talking injuries, he's always injured. And it's kind of like the same thing for two and a half years now. That was that was the so as I could see the arguments for his talent going round one, I, I was felt more comfortable rounds two and three with him just because I had concerns about his vision. I had concerns about just how dynamic he is as a receiver out of the backfield uh, or, you know, being able to use him spread wide. I don't think he's can do much of that, but then he's a 1985 runner. Yeah. Then to add on the injury concerns, the fact that, you know, he never really was healthy for full seasons at LSU had all these things coming out and especially ankles to where, you know, ankles are pretty key for a running back. That's your, you know, those are your money makers, uh, and it's it's sort of, uh, you know, continued on the pros. Which I, I'm not sure I believe too much in injury prone guys, but I think that definitely there is, uh, there are some guys who are just injury prone and are fragile and are going to continue to have injury. So it's concerning to me that he's gone, uh, hasn't been healthy all rookie season. I mean, it's just ankles. I mean, it's, maybe it's just something that's never going to get better. It doesn't even mean he's injury prone. He just has a injury that isn't going away possibly. Yeah, that could be the case. And that, and you drafted that guy top five, which is the, the worrisome thing at this point. Right. And he looks great at times. I mean, I, I see the allure, but I, I wonder, wouldn't it be smart maybe, especially because of the way this team is structured, maybe use a third-round pick on a running back that can also catch passes? Yeah, I think they could definitely benefit from, even on top of that, just some speed also out of the backfield. Because Chris Ivory, TJ Yeldon, are not, they're not change of pace compared to Fournette. They are, you know, Fournette lights almost. So I, I do think someone that can catch the ball would be nice there. All right, last Jags question, I'll let you go. Assuming they host the Chargers, and then if they win that one, they go to Pittsburgh. If they win that one, they go to New England. If they win that one, they go to the Super Bowl. How far can this team go? I, I think they can win two games. I, I do think if you know chips fall the right way, they can win two. I, I don't think the offense is consistent enough to roll through three straight games without a dud, is all I'll say. So I, I think somewhere along the line, that offense will sort of disappear. And then at that mm-hmm. point, you, you're just not making the Super Bowl then. So I, I do think, though, they take the care of the business, at least in the wild card round. Yeah, I think, I mean, their defense to me is a bad matchup for any style offense they play. You know, like if they play the Patriots, I could see Ramsey following Gronk, you know, or he could follow mm-hmm. Antonio Brown. You know, it he, he's that type of guy. It doesn't matter. And whoever the quarterback is, is going to get hit. Yes, exactly. Like that's that they have the classic how to win in the playoffs, pass rush and coverage. They have both of those. So they're scared to beat anyone. Absolutely. Mike, as usual, this was a blast. Have a great week. I hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, talk to you next week, man. Thanks, Matt. Have a good right, one. Bud. See you.